in the political fundraising context, branding means being specific. What is the thing that only you can say about your campaign? I'm Eric Wilson, managing partner of Startup Caucus, the home of campaign tech innovation on the right. Welcome to the Business of Politics show. On this podcast, you're joining in on a conversation with entrepreneurs, operatives, and experts who make professional politics happen. I wanted to share with you a modified version of a talk I gave recently at Campaigns and Elections Campaign Tech Conference here in D.C. It was informed by many of the conversations you've already heard on the show So I wanted to share with you how I've synthesized some of those conversations into what I think is a way forward for political online fundraising. In November, Democratic strategist Josh Nelson, who was on our show in a previous episode, which you can listen to from the show notes, came to discuss a poll that he conducted. One of their findings was that 24% of Democrats they surveyed decided not to donate or volunteer for a Democratic campaign because they'd get more emails and texts. So think about that. One of the most valuable assets that any campaign can have, volunteers, donors, they're being turned off by how obnoxious and how bad the fundraising appeals are. So it's actually hurting our campaigns. Similarly, the Center for Campaign Innovation's post-election poll asked voters if they got mail, text, emails, or ads asking them to donate money for a political candidate or a group. And when you look at this by ticket splitters, so people who voted for both a Republican and a Democrat on the same ballot, 41% of those ticket splitters said they received solicitations for a donation from Republicans. 43% said they got one from Democrats. Move over to swing voters. These are voters who we absolutely need to win. 52% of swing voters said that they got solicitations from Republican campaigns and organizations, and 44% said they received it from Democrats. Now, think about what the messaging is in our fundraising appeals. That is not the messaging that we are trying to get in front of our swing voters. That's a real problem for our campaigns when this dragnet of low-quality online fundraising tactics is starting to interfere with our our messaging and our ability to persuade voters that we we need on our side. So it's clear that this is becoming a problem for campaigns if voters, grassroots, and donors are sick of online fundraising. But what do we do about it? What does that actually mean? What does better look like? Well, of course, we're going to focus on, on what an individual working on a campaign can do, but it's important to acknowledge that there's a conversation to be had around industry standards, platforms, roles in this. There are even conversations about regulation from a a federal level. Uh, And we've had some of those conversations here on the show. But for the purposes of this conversation, we just want to focus on what an individual can do. So most of the advice that comes up in our conversations both on this show and offline with practitioners in this industry, it's really abstract and can devolve into jargon, some buzzwords, branding, authenticity, relationships, personalization. These are all the right answers, of course, 
But I think for a lot of people, they're hard to wrap their hands around. What does that actually mean? So let's decode what each one of those practically means for someone who is trying to do better, trying to improve their online fundraising program. So branding, go through your inbox and cover up the logos and paid for of different fundraising emails that you've received. It's hard to tell them apart. They could come from any campaign. They have no brand. So in the political fundraising context, branding means being specific. What is the thing that only you can say about your campaign that no one else can can say? Um, that's where things like these 10x matches, um, these fake deadlines, Again, anyone can say those about your campaign, but only you can talk about why you're running, your specific background, what's happening in your campaign. This is a challenge to campaigns as much as it is to fundraising consultants that we need to be providing our teams with specific information so they can write branded emails, not generic emails that could come from any other campaign. Authenticity. Donors are wary of scam packs. They're in the news. One thing we found in our focus groups is that donors are starting to become concerned about whether they're actually donating to the right campaign. So they're bypassing things like fundraising emails or ads and going directly to the candidate's website. Well, that's helpful, but it doesn't really give us the information we need to allocate budgets appropriately, for example. I'll just share you, with you one quote from our focus groups. This is a Republican donor. He said, some of them border on fraud, the way that they're designed. In fact, in some ways, I think they're dishonest because they try to make it look like it comes from the candidate. And you have to be careful because I honestly think I got fooled once. I thought I was donating to a campaign and I, it didn't go to a campaign. It was to a PAC. I was fooled once and I wasn't probably as aware as I am now because I was fooled. Donors are looking for authenticity. That means showing proof that your campaign is real. That's something that a scam pack can't do. There are lots of ways to show tangible evidence that your campaign, your organization exists, and it's doing what it's telling voters and donors it's doing. This can be collecting social proof from grassroots supporters. So think about the last time you went to buy something online. You want to go read those reviews from, from people just like you and hear their comments and you trust that they are, they are unbiased. The similar things you can do with your, your volunteers, get them to create a short testimonial or they can even do it on Twitter or Facebook of, of why uh, they're supporting your campaign. Include that in your, your digital fundraising efforts. You can highlight endorsement from respected allies. Right now, we primarily use these as, as transactional of of sending an email and getting people to click, but you can also use these as, as validations of, of why people should support you and, and trust you. You can also just demonstrate your achievements or, or progress. If you're an organization that's trying to get legislation passed or advocating on behalf of members or an interest group, show how you are making progress so people can keep investing in you. It's not a matter of always asking for money and, and never showing progress. I think it's tough when we're always trying to focus on on the negative, the doom and gloom, but at a certain point, you want to release that tension and show that things are moving in the positive 
direction, at least trending that way. And then of course, photos, sharing photos in your, your emails, something that not many campaigns do, but again, is a great way to show the activity that only you are doing. Next, let's talk about relationships. Unfortunately, our current approach to relationships, if you can call them that, is a lot like texting every phone number in your phone, you up late at night. Uh, that is not the, the way you build a, a steady long-term relationship. Uh, we, we don't have any sort of process by which someone can build a relationship with a campaign. We get their email and we start asking them for money. They sign up on our website. We ask them for money. There is no uh, development of the, the donor. And so the antidote to that, of course, is a conversion funnel. The idea of bringing voters along from a process of awareness to interest to conversion. The shape of the conversion funnel is very important, and we've lost sight of that. It starts broad at the top, and it narrows at the bottom. Not everyone who signs up for our email is a qualified lead to borrow sales lingo. They're not all going to donate. So we shouldn't treat them as such. We should use signs and signals that move them along the process and let them indicate whether they are likely to donate or not. Because remember, we're reaching voters that aren't ever interested in donating. And we don't want to get that language and what works for donors in front of ticket splitters and swing voters, right? It's great to have their email, but there are other uses for that beyond fundraising. One recent example to highlight that this, the, the conversion funnel is not bound by a, a set of time. You don't have to wait seven days before you're asking for money. It really is this idea of winnowing people's interest and determining if they are ready to donate. So for example, the, the Haley campaign recently sent a text message seeking funds that linked to a landing page, a WinRed page that had 357 words in its copy, which goes against what we would typically say as a best practice of have fewer lines of text, but they're experimenting with it. It talks about why they need the money and how they're going to make use of it. That person who spends the, the minute or so reading through all of that has completed that conversion funnel process. They got awareness of the opportunity to donate. They showed their interest by continuing to read, and then they made the ask. So, a conversion funnel is not a matter of time. It's a matter of building a relationship with someone. And the way we do that at scale in digital marketing is with our conversion funnels. Often when we hear about personalization in email fundraising, it's in the context of customizing, putting someone's name in there, using data to make sure you're talking about where they live or the issues that they care about. But when it comes to online fundraising, we need to press that a little bit further. And one piece of advice we have is that personalization really means personalization of you, of your organization, of your brand. And that's done through, through interaction. Business Insider recently reported on some of the top creators on the uh, platform called OnlyFans. And one of those creators offered a, a piece of advice that I thought was worth sharing with you. This creator described OnlyFans as a 24-hour job, adding that she realized that personal interaction 
with fans can make a huge difference. Quote, it's not about cranking out massive amounts of content every day, she said. So if someone who is making a living uh, with online donations, essentially, is saying that personal interaction is the way to go, then we should listen to her. So what are some of the ways that a campaign can interact? You can reply on social media to people who are commenting or asking you questions. In fact, good idea to have a frequently asked questions with your answers to them so people can get to know you and understand what you're about. Interaction via Facebook or Instagram Lives, another way to to build this interaction and, and personalization, meaning you become personalized to your supporters and they're more likely to donate the next time you email them or text them. Responding to emails is one of the easiest ways that you can build this interaction on your campaign. Most campaigns don't even know where they would reply to the inbox that receives the replies from the emails they send out. And you would be surprised at how you know responding to just a few of those can lead to more donations. So it's this kind of personalization that we need to see in order to boost our online fundraising success. Now, these are all great tactics, but we've got to have a reality check. The fact is these low quality tactics like matching, like deadlines, like strong, negative, emotional language works. And campaigners still have to hit their goals. They still have to to fundraise and, and they have to do so in a set period of time. So there's a role for these to play. It's primarily with people who are already your supporters. Those sort of, we have a deadline, we need to go right now. That's what's going to get someone who already supports you, um, maybe has already donated to you off the the sidelines and donating. But you have to use those tactics sparingly. I'd liken it to whatever your favorite spice is in your spice cabinet. You can't put it in every single meal and there have to be other ingredients along with it for a balanced diet. If you are only ever cooking with sugar, which these low quality tactics effectively are for your fundraising program, you're not going to have a balanced diet. It's not sustainable and doesn't build a healthy program. So my challenge to you is over the next 30 days, try to incorporate at least one of these approaches into your online fundraising strategy. Build a brand by being specific about your organization, your candidate, why you're asking for money, why you need their support. Be authentic by showing proof, whether that's testimonials or photos. Build relationships by having well-thought-out conversion funnels that take a supporter from start to finish along a journey, but more importantly, start broad and in narrow. Some people are going to fall off along that that funnel. That's what the uh, shape represents. The audience is bigger at the top than it is at the bottom. And finally, try personalization. And that's personalization of you, your organization, your campaign, interaction with your supporters. Let them know that there's a real person on the other side of those fundraising asks. And with that, I'll say thank you for listening. If today's conversation made you a little bit smarter or gave you something to think about, 
please share it with a friend or colleague. Remember to subscribe to the Business of Politics show wherever you listen to your podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also sign up for our email updates, no spam ever, on our website at businessofpoliticspodcast.com. With that, I'll say thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.